what you are basically. Deep, deep down, far, far in, is simply the fabric and structure of existence itself. Peace for all men and women, for all men and women, for all men and women. Not merely peace in our time, peace in all time. Honestly expressing yourself. Peace for all men and women, for all men and women, for all men and women. Not merely peace in our time, peace in all time. The fabric and structure of existence itself. Hi everybody, welcome to the Parallel Mike Podcast. This is episode number 13 and I'm your host Mike. Thank you so much for joining me. Tonight we have a very special guest. I'm going to be speaking to Mr. Charlie Robinson. You may know Charlie. He is the host of the Macro Aggressions podcast. He's also an author and all around just a bit of a disruptor. Charlie has some fantastic episodes. He has gone deep into the world of conspiracy, government psyops, and he's a very popular host because of it. Now, I came across Charlie about I'd say about three years ago, I've probably listened to pretty much every episode he's ever made of macroaggressions. Now, the reason I wanted to get Charlie onto the show is just to really get an update on his take as to how things are going, where we are heading, and just what he sees on the horizon as to what might be coming next. Like I said, Charlie has a lot to say on this. So it's a fantastic episode. Charlie gave a great interview. We have two parts. So of course, part one is for free. Anyone can listen to that. That'll be on the podcast. Part two will be available for members over on parallelmike.com. And thank you to everybody who has signed up thus far and for the fantastic feedback I've been receiving, particularly on the last episode. I know a lot of people really enjoyed that one on the solar cycles. And for members, as promised, I've also now uploaded the addendum to episode 12. So we can call this one 12.5. And that's the solar cycle in relation to gold. And in that little episode, I also do a bit of a prediction as to what might come next. And that's in one of my charts, which I added to the chart book, which is still available on my website, parallelmike.com, for those who want it for a $5 donation. So if you want to listen to that, you can find it over there too. It's going to be uploaded along with this episode. So that's it for today's introduction, a nice and short one. Let's get straight to the episode. Thank you so much for listening. Have a fantastic week. And of course, I will see you in the next one. Okay, everybody, welcome to the Parallel Mike podcast. I have got a fantastic guest here with me today. It's Mr. Charlie Robinson. How's it going, Charlie? Oh, it's going fine. Well, it's going as well as can be expected on this crazy planet that we're living on. Charlie is the host of the Macroaggressions podcast. If you don't know, I'm sure you probably do. Also, Union of the Unwanted which I absolutely love. And you've got a couple of books out there, Charlie, as well. Do you want to tell us quickly about those books? Because I've got one right in front of me, which I've read before, Controlled Demolition. Yeah, yeah, I got that in front of me too. I wrote that with Jeff Berwick uh, from The Dollar Vigilante and Anarchapulco, the founder of Anarchapulco. And uh, that came out out the the Friday before Joe Biden stole the election here in the United States, <laughs> and uh, and it became a number one bestseller on election day, which is so great because if you read the book, you know you'd never want to vote again because it would you know it's so obvious that these 
these things are 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 controlled and made to happen. Uh, that was book number two. Uh, the Octopus of Global Control came out in 2017. That was my first book. And Hypocrisy, Surviving in a World of Cultural Double Standards, that came out in 2022. Uh, no, 2021. And uh, and that was sort of the follow-up to... That's more of like the, the, the a look at the social insanity that's... I don't know. Picking up steam? It's getting worse? I don't know. I thought I had... I thought I had written about everything crazy that was going on, but clearly there's still more to write because, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're experiencing uh, just a, a, a real detachment from reality here in the states um uh, up is down black is white man is woman woman is man everything is inverted everybody nobody knows what their gender is nobody knows what you know there you can watch a video and everybody's got a different take of the same event you know <laughs> so it's it's really kind of tough to be well, we never gave pronouns attention. before we started charlie maybe we my, pro- <laughs> my pronouns are fuck off <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, I haven't I mean... read Hypocrisy yet, but I remember just as you was about to release it because uh, we was listening to your podcast a lot. We was when we was driving around Poland looking to buy our farm. You was like our the third person in my marriage. We just listened to macroaggressions on repeat, like every episode, bang, bang, bang for like six hour drives. So, uh, that's so, the, so yeah, so you've been with us a long time, Charlie. But uh, yeah, well, never well that's, that's Hypocrisy yet. So maybe you could just tell us a little bit more about some of the key takeaways from that one. I mean, we all see what's going on around as this absolute crazy upside down world, but where I am, it's not quite so bad as you get it in America. We're pretty conservative over here in Poland. Yeah, it's not a bad thing. Um, I'll tell you, I would, I would love a little less insanity. Well, the, the, the part of the book that, that I, I kind of went into really that when I started writing it, it became obvious to me that I was going to have to be extra careful and very diligent about documenting and 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 putting footnotes on all of the things that I'm talking about and the reason was obviously I want to be accurate but 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 it was more than that it was that as I was writing about these insane things that were going on it occurred to me that the reader might think that I was just making it up you know that I was just trying to be funny or oh you know he's just he's just being still i do have a, a kind of a dark sense of humor and i do like to have fun with things but but as i was writing this i was like no no this is this is real i, I couldn't be this funny i couldn't make this up stuff i couldn't make up that like in in the state of oregon here in the united states it rains all the time i mean it'll go like weeks and weeks where you'll never see the sun so it's constantly rain i don't live there but i've been there plenty of times it just rains all the time. They made it illegal to collect rainwater on your own property in some parts of Oregon. So if you, if it's raining and you have a system set up to collect the rainwater and, I don't know, use it to water your plants or use it to, for whatever, the police will come to your house and put you in handcuffs and take you away. If like, you're lucky. That's, are you... <laughs> It's the U.S. So, they so come around with guns blazing. Yeah, so I had to like make sure that like when I'm writing this, you know, that's just like one example. But like as I'm writing this, I have to like make sure I put the little footnote. It's like go check the news story about this because other, if I didn't do that, people just go, oh, he's just he's just being silly. It's like no, no, I, I 
I could never dream of something quite as ridiculous as this. That's that's left up to the United States government. Only the United States government can come up with ideas this dumb. So I I went into a lot of the you know, when you're talking about hypocrisy, you it covers a lot of ground. So it was politicians, you know, and I and like I just really went to town on like the Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama joe biden group and everyone's like yay and then the next chapter it's like oh i'm coming for trump and i remember i go i went on a a really conservative uh, show and promoted the book there and i sold a lot of books i could tell because it just kind of spiked after that and then like 10 days later i got this email from a guy who's like you think you could how dare you say those things about trump blah 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 you you piece of garbage you've been like hey your guy is as crazy as the other guys. You know, I'm not going to pretend like he's not. So like nobody was left out. I didn't I didn't um I didn't say, "Oh, I think that the 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 loony left of the Hillary Clinton crew, they're all crazy, but the Trump people are totally fine." Too. No, no, no. They're nuts as well. Um it went beyond that. Obviously, I went after religion. You know, I mean, that's a real like I'm like, mm, "What can I do to make everybody mad in this book?" I go after religion too. But again, if we're talking about hypocrites, you, you you can't write a book about hypocrites and not mention churches and religious organizations, the biggest hypocrites around. So, so I just went after all of that and documented it and wound up with quite a quite a book that 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 seems kind of fun. Actually, I'll show you the the cover of it because it's kind of a it's kind of a fitting cover for anybody that's reading. It's it's Uncle Sam. It's this cartoonish. Uh, America character of Uncle Sam who I don't know but he's in a straight jacket in a mental institution his eyes he's been injected with Thorazine he's uh, lost a shoe you know it's it's kind of like where we are as 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 America like we're we're we should be institutionalized as a nation we're out of our minds it's crazy so um I just thought that that would be a good uh, you know a good way to sort of document the insanity and uh and so that was book 3 so yeah, that, a little bit more humorous than than the other two. Like the other two are, there's some dark humor in there, but it's more like facts and you know stories about the way things were and how things came about. And of course, when Berwick gets involved, there's a lot of financial stuff in in, in the second book. The third book is just fun. It's just fun. It's just just making fun of people that need to be made fun of. Nice and uh, controlled demolition. Yeah, like you said, that's a I want to say a heavy book, but it's uh, if you've met, I just imagine. Actually, when I bought that book, I imagined giving it to somebody like my, let's say, sister, who's mainstream as you get. Uh, but I thought it would be like, I don't know, it would probably be like punching her in the gut, you know, to read something like that. Because she might actually go away and research some of it and find out it's true. And I think that would just blow yeah. somebody's paradigm apart. So if you, you know, I don't know, it's maybe not an intro book to conspiracy. Let's put it that way. No, no, no. The octopus book the first book i think does a good job with that because it the way it's structured is that i used um 700 quotes from 500 different people in the book and so when i would talk about a topic like um i don't know 911 as an example you start to read through it and we remember the day and we remember how it was presented to us and then you'll read these little quotes from different people that you never heard on television or you never, you know, the media never mentioned it to you. 
that that tell a much different story of what was going on on that day. And 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 some of the voices in in the octopus book are the ones that you would expect, like Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton and the Bushes and Obamas and uh, the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers and all these like boogeymen that we have. And, and so you would hear them talking about the way they see the world and the way they view people and, and the things that would come out of their mouths. You just read it and you go, I can't believe it. I can't believe that they would say this. I can't believe, you know, David Rockefeller confessing to, to being like, you know, to say, oh, these people accuse me and my family of wanting to, to create a one world government with us running it and that, that we're internationalists. And like, you know, I, I mean, if those are the charges lev- levied against me, then 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 I stand guilty and proud of this, I- this accusation. And, and, and you read it and you, someone will go, oh, well, that's that's that. That's a fake quote that never really happens. Like, no, it's on page 405 of David Rockefeller's autobiography. He wrote it in his own book. I'm not making this up that he wants a one world government. He said it. And they're like, well, where did he say it? In his own book, he said it. In his autobiography, he said it. So it's like a lot of the the octopus book was was good for for people getting into this like as like as an entry level book to this because first of all it covered a lot of ground covered a lot of different topics but didn't go into like excruciating detail in any one of them it just sort of covered quite a bit but it it backed it up by like you know it's not my opinion that these guys want to are are obsessed with this new world order you know here you go oh new world order here you go what are you listening to alex jones it's like no Alex Jones didn't invent that term. Here's here's these guys talking about it a hundred years ago. Here's George H. W. Bush mentioning it two hundred times during his four years in office from eighty eight to ninety two in, in public, mentioning the New World Order. So it's like I, I use their words against them. I use the I brought in all these all of them talking about their plan and laid it out in a way so that if you read it, if you're new to this information, you'd be like, damn. Like, I mean, I, I thought it was all fake, but here they are talking about it. It's like, yeah. It's like, well, how come I didn't know about this? It's like, well, why would you know about it? You think they're going to put David Rockefeller talking about the New World Order on the front page of the newspaper that he owns? <laughs> of course not, you know? So it, 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 the format uh, for the octopus was a lot of quotes, and I think that helped bring people in. The format for Controlled Demolition with Berwick was that when I talked to him about writing the book, he said, I have some ideas, you know, I have, some, I have some ideas for the book and he sent things over to me. But during that, that initial conversation, he, he, he just made a comment. He said, it's all coming down, man. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, he's like, you know, everything like the, 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 the how it, the financial system, it's a house of cards, you know, it's all, it's all coming down. I was like, Oh, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I did. I wasn't really sure exactly what he was talking about, but he was talking about, the financial system being just like fraud upon fraud and how it's it's all just going to come down like a house of cards but in my mind it's going to it's all going to come down like a controlled demolition like building 7 came down and i go oh and so he sent me a bunch of ideas for things and i said what about this what if we made the comparison between like the way you would take down an actual building where you would identify the support columns, you would pre-weaken the building, you would rig the detonators, you would you would sound the alarm to get everybody out, you'd push down the plunger, you'd clear out the debris. Like that's how you'd take down an actual building. What if we made that sort of comparison, how you would take down a, 
a building and, and, and use that and, sh and show how you would take down the American empire. And I made this whole long thing about it, this big long email and everything and sent it over to Jeff and his response was one line. He just said, I like your idea better. And that was it. And that's how we started on the book. <laughs> no, I think you nailed it with the title. That's exactly what we, me and my wife used to say to each other. It's a controlled demolition. It's a controlled demolition. And then when you came up with that title, it's like, yeah, well, we're all thinking the same thing. We're all seeing yeah. the same things and the same things are coming to our mind. Uh, and in controlled demolition, you talk a lot about 9-11 and with good reason. But I'm wondering, is that for you, Charlie, the watershed moment in, the t in terms of false flags? Was that the one where... After that, it was like, right, we're in a different world now because if they pull this one off, we can we pretty much know that we're going to crazy town. Yeah, it what for me it was. It, but for I think for everybody, depending on your generation, you know, for for my my parents' generation, Kennedy getting shot, everything changed after that. For my generation, nine eleven. For the newer, the younger kids, COVID. You know, they're it, it, an invisible enemy. It's gonna get you. It's just around the corner, you know, a terrorist or COVID or whatever. It's definitely going to murder you. Oh, really? What's the, what are the, how many terrorist murderings were there in the United States in, in the, in the 1990s? Well, there were 14, but still, I mean, they're going to get you, you know, like, really? That's it? Really? I mean, like I made the, the comparison that more people died from vending machines falling on them and killing them on a Thursday than died from terrorism in the United States. Like, like the, the number was like, there was like 105 people that would die from like vending machines. So I like took that number and divided it by seven. And it was like still more likely to get killed by a vending machine on a Thursday than to get killed by a terrorist. And yet we've spent what, $6 trillion starting these wars? Like okay, so so it's not it's not about terrorism. Clearly, it's about something else. And that nine eleven woke me up. Like not on that morning, not that not in two thousand and one. But I started to ask questions a couple years later, two thousand and three, when they started uh, here in the states, start, started talking about well, you know, we're gonna have to go into Iraq, and everyone's like, oh, oh really? Why? And they're like, well, you know. Saddam Hussein. We're like, yeah, yeah, we, we had that war like in 91, but like, why now? They're like, well, you know, Saddam Hussein, 9-11. And I was like, what? And they're like, you know, 9-11. I was like, what are you talking about? What What does Saddam Hussein and 9-11 have to do with each other? Well, you know. And I was like, no, I don't know. No, explain it to me because none of this makes any sense. It sounds to me like you guys want to start a war in Iraq and you don't have any good reason to so you know 9/11 and there were a lot, and in that I went no this is this is this is revenge this is you you know my daddy had a war against you in 91 and I'm going to finish what he started this George Bush or that's that was my initial thought was that it was like a revenge war did you get that but, feeling but, but, when you watched those buildings come down there Charlie because I remember actually sat watching the BBC and seeing I remember the first one going down. I think it was when it got to the uh, second one that I just something clicked inside and it said to me, uh, this inner voice, there's some fuckery going on here. This isn't right. Like, and I didn't, I didn't explore it like you for a year or two, but there was, I definitely remember there was just something inside that said, this is weird. Like, this doesn't look right to me. Yeah. Yeah. It is weird. And, and, 
And again, with um, the name of the second, you know, the controlled demolition book, there's a um, there's a quote I put in the first in the Octopus book about 9/11, and they're interviewing a guy named Danny Joenko, who is a Dutch uh, demolition expert, came from a family that for like three or four generations was in the demolition business, and he they were showing him a a video, and this was like a I don't know six months, eight months after 9-11. They're showing him a video, and they say, we want you to watch this, and it's it's in Dutch, but it, but the trans, you know, subtitles. And they're showing him this portable video of Building 7 coming down, but they don't tell him what building it is. They don't tell him anything about it. They say, can you watch this video? And, tell, and so you see, and, he, and they say, what are, what are your thoughts of this building? And he says, well, it's a controlled demolition. And they say, well, how can you be sure? And he says, well, I mean, I'm in the industry, like it's very symmetrical and you can see the ejection uh, uh, points happening. It's a controlled demolition. They said, are you sure? He said, I'm positive. And they said, are you absolutely positive? He's like, I'm, he's getting kind of annoyed. He's like, I I'm positive, positive. Like, I don't know what to tell you. And they said, well, this is, this happened on 9-11. And he's like, what? And they said, well, it, this was, this happened at five o'clock, 530 in the afternoon on 9-11 and he was like no and they said yeah yeah and he said no it can't be and you watch like his his face just change and he gets like very like concerned and he starts he says that's impossible that's impossible that that that's that's 9-11 he just kept asking are you sure and he says the guy's like i'm positive it's 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 building seven it's not building one and two it's building seven and it came down that day he said, that's a controlled demolition. Danny Joenko was dead within a week. Holy shit, I never knew that. I never knew that he died. That's crazy. Yeah, in a, in a single car crash where he crashed into a tree unexpectedly and died. So, like, the, the, the demolition experts are looking at this going, it's a controlled demolition, um, you know, and so so... That, but that doesn't. But you don't know that on the day of. You don't hear about Billion Seven on the day of. And so, if you ever hear about it at all, and and I, I came across um, a guy who, who who's done really great work on this subject. Richard Gage. He started a company called Architects and Engineers for Nine Eleven Truth. And um, I, I I put him. I put a I put a whole chapter in the Octopus book called Architects and Engineers for Nine Eleven Truth. But I, I I didn't know Richard Gage, and I. Uh, but I liked his work. I was very familiar with his work. I went to a wedding uh, years later after the book had come out. Years later, a wedding by myself in a state. You know, I had to get on an airplane, go across the country to this wedding. I get seated at the dinner at this wedding right next to Richard Gage of all the people. Wow, I'm that's like, crazy. I go, you're in my book. And he's like, really? I said, no, no, I have a chapter about you. So we started talking about about 9/11. We started talking about um, you know, his his journey for that. And he had the same sort of the same sort of thing happen to him that happened to me, which was that we nobody we didn't figure this out right away. We didn't we weren't obviously we weren't the only ones to have questions about it. But it, for him it took him till like 2007 or 2006 I think until he started he heard a radio interview about it and started to have some questions and as an engineer and an architect himself he he started to look at the structure of the of building 7 he didn't even know that building 7 came down so when he grew this big organization he did something that was really smart years later on the 15th anniversary they they raised a bunch of money 
and they put up billboards around New York, many cities, but around, especially around New York. And they even had mobile billboards that would drive around. And all it said, it was so smart, the marketing of this, it just said, did you know that a third building fell on 9-11? And then their website, and that was it. And it was so, I thought it was so smart because, you know, if you didn't know, you'd be, what? What are you talking about? Like, I I was, you know, in New York, you know, New Yorkers, oh, I know about 9-11. I was here when 9-11 happened. Yeah, but did you know a third building fell? And if the answer is no, then you might want to go to the website and and people that went there were, were astounded to, to, to know. And, and again, 15 years later, there were still so many people that had no idea that a third building fell. You know, so, that really is the smoking gun for that one. But there's so many yeah. smoking guns. I mean, there's like a room full of smoking guns. If you really wanted to look at it, there's just so many. But that one right. is like, yeah, just look at that. Just look at I mean, forget the rest. Don't worry about it. Just yeah. look at that one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and you don't even have to be Danny Joanko, a demolitions expert. You could just say to, to the average. Tra- I lived in Las Vegas for ten years, and when they when they demolish hotel casinos in order to build new ones, they do it exactly. I mean, they rig it with fireworks and make a big show out of it, but they come down the same way. Boom, 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 and, and you can see the lateral ejections uh, out of the the out of the sides of the buildings, and then it falls symmetrically. Because it's designed to do that. So, so you know, for you're people, sound, you're that... sounding a lot like Barry Jennings. Remember his uh, talk about the basement? I had these explosions, and uh, yeah, Barry's not with us anymore. No, he's not. No, he's not. He said he he was uh, being escorted out of the building, told not to look down, and and he noticed he was stepping on dead bodies. This was mm-hmm. before anything happened. They blew up the basement before the buildings even came down. So, yeah. There's a lot of, like you said, it's a, it's a room full of smoking guns. But Building 7 itself, all you have to do is show, just, just you don't even have to say anything. Just tell someone, watch this video. And you watch it go down and you go, what do you think? Oh, it's a controlled demolition. Did you know that was on, that was on September 11th? Like, what? Like, yeah. And, and it didn't get hit by an airplane. So please explain to me how that building went down. Well, you know, fires. Really? Is that, is that is that what you think? You think fires took that building? Symmetrically took it down? They they should they should have massive lawsuits against the builders for that, right? If it if it was construction defect, where are the construction defect lawsuits? They didn't file any because it was blown up. Why didn't the insurance company pay out on that? You know. So, and and oh, and by the way, do you know who was even housed in 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 that building? The CIA. They had almost the whole building. They had at least half the building. It's, it's like and a bunch of all the companies that were in there. You'd look at them and you go. Oh my God, it's like all deep state. It was like the IRS, the FBI, the CIA. It was like a deep state building and it blew, you know. Oh, and all of the the records on the Enron investigation that was happening at that time, all those, all that documentation was in that building. Uh, they found trucks that were filled, loaded up with gold bars in the basement that hadn't been able to escape. There, there was a robbery going on at the same time as well of gold. That's hard to explain. Like, what everyone else is, you know, that doesn't know anything about this, they're like, I, I thought it was Arab hijackers. You're like, well, if it was Arab hijackers, why were they trying to steal gold? Why were they blowing up buildings? Why were they building blowing up Building Seven? How did they rig it? You know, and there's all these questions. Nobody, nobody can give you a straight answer on that if they're going by the official story. 
But when you throw out the official story and realize that it was just the justification to get us into a war and that it had to be big and it had to be scary and it had to take down lots of buildings, then then it all starts to make a little bit more sense. And that's kind of where we are. But it's like we're we're almost 22 years removed from that. And there's still a bunch of people that that have no no clue. And that is that's that's part of the problem here in the United States is that so many people just go, oh, that's ancient history. Wow. Okay. I mean, we're already hearing that about COVID. And like, with, you know, the same things happened, the exact same procedures happened, and people are already trying to disassociate. And I don't I don't quite know what that is. It's like, the, it hurts them to think. I think that's all I can come up with. It really hurts them to think about it. So when you deliver some controversial information to them, that might start to question the paradigm they've built in their mind. They're like, no, 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 I don't want that. It's it's over. It happened two years ago. Even though there's yeah. like a pile of bodies now that it's just getting bigger and bigger to do with the vaccine. So, you know, it, it is painful to be on the outside and look in and watch this. And I think we're going to see the same thing again. You know, 20 years time, there'll still be people that don't realize what went on with COVID and believe that vaccine. I mean, I was speaking to someone the other day and they were telling me how sick they've been since they took the first vaccine. So, oh, we'll keep getting COVID, keep getting COVID again. And they're on vaccine number six or five or six now. And they say, thank God for the vaccine. Thank God for the vaccine or I might have died. And you just sat there scratching your skull like, wow, wow. I, I've not had I've not had COVID once. You, you've had COVID five times. What's going on there? Does that not trigger something in your mind? It's a very interesting dynamic too. And, and, and since I mentioned JFK and 9-11 and COVID, there's a common denominator for all of them is that the media is driving the getaway car for all these crimes. You know, the media is just there like, come on, get on in. We'll take care of you. We'll distract the public away from investigating this themselves. We'll, we'll tell everyone that they're crazy. We'll tell everybody that they're unpatriotic. We'll tell, we'll, we'll, anybody that digs into this, we'll tell them that they will either call them a conspiracy theorist with JFK We'll tell them that they're anti-American with 9/11, or we'll tell them that they're anti-science and want to kill grandma with COVID. We'll we'll distract them. We'll we'll make them feel guilty for even thinking that they should look into this, and that works for a lot of people. A lot of people, that's enough enough to make them go, oh, okay, I I don't want to, I don't want to seem unsupportive of of the thing. I don't want to seem unsupportive of of we've all decided we're going to go start a war in the Middle East because, you know, Arab terrorists and everything. I don't want to I don't want to seem unpatriotic. Well, or or you know, I don't want to seem anti-science because I have questions about a, a a virus. Well, so we're supposed to inject ourselves like over and over again for this for this deadly virus. How deadly is the virus? Oh, it's really deadly. Okay, well, how deadly is it? Okay, the numbers are the survivability rate of COVID is 99.98%. So look, I, I've, I've framed this to, to people that have had discussions with, you know, that are, that are sort of questioning. I said, look, look if, you, if you were in school and you took a math test and you got a 99.98% on your math test, to, to raise your because the the most you could raise your score theoretically when we're talking about either a math test or survivability the most you can get is a hundred percent right so you're going to take an a, an unapproved largely untested experimental gene therapy shot that if every 
thing about it goes perfectly right. The maximum benefit that you could ever possibly get is 0.02% additional protection. That's if everything goes right. And you're willing to take that gamble when the downside is that you could die from it? Like, it, 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 it showed me that, like, the average person's ability to calculate risk is missing. <laughs> they, they just don't have it. They, they, their statistical analysis is flawed. That they can't... Now, if it was 50% death rate, we, it'd be a different conversation. But, again, back to the getting killed by a vending machine on a Thursday type of thing. Like you're statistically more likely to get hit by lightning than die from COVID. You know, if you're if you're under if you're under 21 years old, the survivability rate is 99.9997 percent. That's from the CDC. It's not my numbers. That's their numbers. And when they would come out and they say, "Well, we've got to get all these kids injected to prevent them from getting COVID," you well, no, you don't. It's again, you. This is. They want you to be emotional and scared and, and, and think like illogically. And what I'm saying is, well, let's just do statistical analysis about it. Let's just take a look at the numbers. What do the numbers say? The numbers say it's not a big deal. In fact, the numbers say it's the flu. In fact, what's interesting is that in America in 2021, the flu just up and vanished. It was 38 million cases the year before, and then it was 1,822 cases the next year. Look, like, Mike, we solved the flu. We 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 fixed it. I mean, I had I had this conversation with a buddy of mine. I said, "What do you attribute this amazing drop in the flu to?" He goes, uh, "Masks." And I go, "Really? Well, then why didn't COVID go away?" And his response was, "Man, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to have this um this conversation." And it's like, well, but you need to because you have a master's in business administration. You have an MBA from a top five school. And you're telling me that the flu disappeared because of masks. Like, if that's the case, why didn't we have masks for the last 25 years, 100 years? Because it doesn't be, you don't think it just got reclassified from flu to COVID? Like, that's the explanation, 38 million to basically nothing? He's like, I, I don't know. It's like, well, no, think about it then. Because nobody seems to be thinking except us conspiracy theorists. And what we're saying is that this none of it makes any sense. And so anyway, it's just, it's been, that's part of my frustration when I say that things are crazy here in the United States is that it's, it doesn't have to be crazy here. It's just that everybody's turned off their brain. It's, it's a limited risk for zero reward. And of course, it doesn't mean they're yeah. going to die, but they're good. You know, they could die. We don't know. Like, and actually, we still don't know. Like, what's the five-year outcomes? What's the 10-year outcomes? Is there even a 10-year outcome? You know, maybe the 10-year outcome never arrives. So anyway, yeah, like you said, it's a crazy time. And trying to get through to people can be a bit of a, a false economy, actually, because it's not you're not going to do it. But, you know, I always, you know, I think your show like is like the encyclopedia. You know, if you want to really just know how much you've been lied to, screwed with, how much they hate you. Just just listen to macroaggressions. I mean, hopefully you'll make it through that because it's a bit of a dark journey at times, macroaggressions, but you do come out yeah, the yeah. other side too. I know. It is a bit dark. And I try to infuse it with like my my awful, weird sense of humor. 
but again, you, it's like you've got to kind of laugh at the absurdity of it all. Like it, it, it you know, that they aren't they aren't trying really hard to to fool us. It's that I've described it as bringing in like the junior varsity team to run these psychological operations. Like they're they're not very good. There were good ones in the past, you know. They 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 had they had the ability to really trick us and really to get us to to fall for things. But now, like, you know, we're all. I mean, what about the Las Vegas one? You lived in Las Vegas, and that was one of the ones where they. I mean, the most deadly shooting in American history, and there is literally nothing. They never commemorate it. They never discuss it. They did something about that one they didn't like. And uh, was you living there at the time, Charlie, when that one kicked off? No, but I had no, I had moved away uh, before. But I still had, I I still had friends there. I still had uh, business there. I was still going back and forth between uh, Denver and Las Vegas for for my real estate uh, business. So I'm still involved in in Las Vegas and and Mandalay Bay. Out of all the hotels, Mandalay Bay had always been my favorite. I loved it. It's easy to get to. It's on the south side of the strip. I lived on the south side of town. You could get in and out without there being much traffic. It's a beautiful hotel. They always they have great restaurants. It's laid out well. Parking's easy. I love it. Right. And and I've been to Mandalay Bay. I don't know over a hundred times. Right. So so when I'm watching this, and I know the layout of I know how everything's set up, and I'm watching this, and I'm just going. Not this first of all, this whole story doesn't make any sense, you know. But you you never know. You don't you don't know what's what's actually happening. And then uh, I st- well, my first initial reaction response was, is anybody even dead? Right. So I start asking my friends that live there, do you know anybody? And I start to get people to say, oh yeah, I know people that were there and most definitely saw people getting shot. I was like, okay. But then then you start to find these interviews from people and they're they're saying. Well, what happened when you were there at the concert? <clears throat> and they're like, "Well, there was somebody that was shooting at, at us from behind." And they're like, "Well, explain where you were, where you were." And they're like, "Well, Mandalay Bay was there, and we're here, and someone was shooting us from behind." And the guy interviewing him was going, "Well, that doesn't make any sense because the bullets were coming from over there, from the tower, coming down on you." And the person's going, "I don't know what to tell you. There was a guy with a machine gun." on the ground behind me who was shooting at people and they're like what <laughs> they're like wait what? wait he's supposed to be up in a room they're like somebody was shooting at us from behind like because you could see that there were bullets that ding 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 you know all around in front of us from somebody shooting but he's like i know the difference when he's like i know when someone is shooting at me from behind as opposed to when they're not because it's something you don't ever forget right and you're like well wait a second and then you go, well, I want to go dig into more of this person's, I want, to, I want to interview this person. I want to find out what happened. And you go, oh, well, that person's dead now. And you go, wait, what? Like, yeah, they died in a car accident a week afterwards. And you go, okay, 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 okay. I've seen these shootings before where people start to talk about what's really going on. And then they start to meet with accidents. They start to come down with, they start to die in their sleep. They start to disappear and all kinds of weird things. And we started to see that with, with Vegas. And I remember telling people, I'm getting a really bad feeling about this. They, they, you know, this, this one has gone off the rails. Oh, and by the way, also I had people saying that like, they were, they're like, oh, it, it wasn't limited to Mandalay Bay. There were shootings in the Bellagio hotel. And I was like, what? Like the Bellagio Hotel just geographically is like two miles north of Mandalay Bay. 
and it wouldn't make any sense. You know, it, it wouldn't have been the type of thing where you could have been in one casino and heard the shooting at, at somewhere else. And I, I saw people getting interviewed about the Bellagio shooting and they said, no, wait a second. Like, you're sure you were in the Bellagio, <laughs> right? Like asking like really kind of almost insulting questions. And the, the people are like, we come here from California once a month. We go to, we always stay at the Bellagio. We know all the blackjack dealers. We know the cocktail waitresses. We were, we're here so often. We were there. Someone was shooting in the Bellagio. The cocktail waitresses and the bartenders grabbed us and said, come into the back with us. We hid in the back with the staff for hours. And when we were finally released, the police came and, and got us out. We had no idea that there was a shooting at Mandalay Bay. And you're like, whoa, okay. So like that never made the nightly news. That never made it into the narrative that there were shootings at multiple hotels. I know that there were shootings at the Tropicana. There were shootings at, at, at Bellagio and there were shootings at Mandalay Bay and Luxor. So there were, there were shootings happening at multiple hotels all at once. We're not allowed to talk about that. Like you said, they don't commemorate the date. Nobody brings it up. There's no investigation. They said that they, they, they haven't really come up with a good explanation for why he was shooting. They said, oh, he was just a disgruntled gambler. He made his living playing video poker professionally. I'm like, I lived in Las Vegas for 10 years. You can't make a living playing video poker professionally. There's no way to do it. You can make a living playing poker professionally, and you can make a living if you're really, really, really good. Maybe playing blackjack for a living, but you cannot make a living playing video poker for a living. It's just not possible. And so that story didn't make any sense to me. And I thought, well, so the shooter has no motive, no agenda. The, his background says he's a gun running CIA agent or something. And um, we're not allowed to talk about it anymore. Okay, got it. And and, and if you bring up the, the fact that, that the you know the story the official story doesn't check out they they t turn off your twitter account or they turn out they or they 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 ban you from places like you know so reporters that were getting close to the evidence were threatened um they had uh people that were were that were being interviewed about it turned up dead afterwards the whole thing was weird it didn't it didn't like people that watched that thoroughly left the you know the the vegas shooting going well, I don't know what to make of it because it didn't, like you said, it didn't, it didn't, it wasn't 9-11. There wasn't a defined enemy. It wasn't Muslim hijackers or uh, pro-gun people or, or anti-trans people or anti-country anti Western music people or what. I mean, it wasn't any of those things. So the, it just, it never made much sense. And, and it got, it, it got wrapped up pretty quick. But the thing is that what you learn from living in Las Vegas as long as I did is that crazy things like that happen in those casinos all the time. But nobody finds out about it because the media and the casinos and the police have a very special relationship with each other. And they realize that they can't talk about the suicides that happen all the time there. They can't talk about the shootings that happen in the parking lots. They can't talk about the robberies. They can't talk about all that stuff because it's bad for business for the whole town. And so they cover it up. And they've been covering that stuff up for, for a long, long time. I mean, I don't know, for, for those of you that have never been to Las Vegas, there's no balconies on any of the windows. Like in your rooms, there's no balconies. If you look at those hotels 
carefully, you'll see that there's no windows. The, the windows don't open. There's no balconies. And the reason is because if you just lost your entire life savings downstairs at the blackjack table, you will jump out of that window. And they don't want that because it's bad for business. So the windows don't open. So when people are like, oh, well, you know, they just kind of pop the window of a 700 pound window. You just popped it off. Some guy in his room just popped. It. I'm sorry. Like that doesn't make any sense. So, and by the way, they're all wired too with alarms too. So if you start breaking out a window, a buzzer goes off downstairs in the control room. This is a, somebody in room 3208 is busting their window out. Go send security up there. So, so again, like the, the, the timing didn't make sense. The lack of attention to it didn't make any sense. The motive, you know, who the guy was, the fact that his girlfriend vanished, the fact that his brother was arrested for child porn like a week later. Um, you know, everything about the, the story is fishy. Yeah, just another one of those ones where it's like these people at the top uh, playing with everyone else's lives as they have these power games versus one another. Okay, everyone, we're going to leave it there for part one. Part two is coming up. If you're a member, please head over to parallelmic.com where you can listen to that, as well as part two of all previous episodes. And of course, you can listen to that latest release on gold and the solar cycle, which is something that is a half episode for members only. And yeah, I think you're really going to enjoy part two if you come across to join us there. It's another fantastic conversation where we go a little bit deeper into some of these topics and Charlie tells us about how he is getting himself ready for what might come next, how he's taking himself out of the system and he gives a little bit of listener advice which I always like to get from my guests. I like to find out what they advise other people do. Now in the coming weeks I've got some really fantastic interviews. I've got a knock it out of the park interview with Howdy McCoskey. I've got a fantastic interview with Lindsay Sherman coming up. I'm going to be doing a deep dive on the tarot and the esoteric and occult symbolism that is included and also talk about the history of how that deck evolved into this more dark and occult and I would say satanic deck that we've got today that many people are using and they have no idea about some of the sinister changes. So that's a really fun and interesting episode too. So all in all, lots on the horizon and I look forward to sharing all of that with you. So if you haven't become a member yet and you would like to, please join us over on parallelmike.com. I'm also available for consultations. So I do preparedness consultations where you can help yourself and your family get more prepared for the coming financial and maybe even societal collapse that is on the horizon. So we talk about getting your finances in order about creating a portfolio that's gonna withstand the massive financial destruction, and also, of course, getting yourself safe. So making sure you've got the right security at home, you're in a safe location, getting yourself off-grid, getting yourself some backup food, backup power, all of those things we talk about in preparedness consultations. In closing, I hope you are all healthy. I wish you good health and happiness going forwards. Thank you for listening, and of course, I'll see you all in the next one. what you are basically. Deep, deep down, far, far in, is simply the fabric and structure of existence itself. Peace for all men and women, for all men and women, for all men and women. Not merely peace in our time, peace in all time.
Peace in our time. Peace in all time. 